Welcome to the Black Media Minute, where we dive into the ins and outs of the media business with Black creatives and industry professionals. I'm your host, Kimberly Foster. So listen, y'all, I love reality TV. I've loved it since I was a kid when I first started watching The Real World. And now I actually think reality is my favorite genre of television. But one reality TV show that I've never been able to get into is The Bachelor or any of its spinoffs. It's just not for me, right? Like, why go to this kind of bland network television show when there's so much good stuff happening on cable? But I decided to take my first step into the Bachelor universe Because Rachel Lindsay is the first black bachelorette, she's beautiful, she's accomplished. I watched this entire season in four days. Four days, start to finish. It was a whole lot. I had so many feelings, so I had to talk them out. I invited Jonquilin Hill and Cecily Bowen to work through what the hell just happened. Here's our conversation. Thank you guys for joining me to talk about The Bachelorette. Let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. We'll start with Cecily. Hey, I'm Cecily, also known on the social media streets as Bad Fat Black Girl, and I am an entertainment writer. And I also had never thought for a second that I would ever watch a single episode of anything related to The Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, my name is John Quillen Hill. I work in public radio, and um, I actually started The Bachelor franchise back when it first came out. I watched it with my mom and then uh, stopped watching it. And so this, the last season, the season before Rachel was on, was the first time I came back because I heard they were going to have a Black Bachelorette. So this is sort of like a homecoming for me as far as the franchise goes. And The Bachelorette has been on for a long time. When I was doing research for this, I was like, this is the 13th season? Yeah, it's been on a really long time. I want to say I want to say I was in middle school when I watched the first season of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Um, and it, it, the show was so wildly different then. And sort of it's sort of become this BMF of... Um, like reality television, which is really kind of easy to miss because I like my garbage television to be love and hip hop and real housewives. And this is kind of like the more sanitized version of that. Yeah. Okay. So we're definitely going to come back to that because I have so many questions about how this might be different from what has been presented before. Okay. So let's just get into the only reason why I watched this show is because a black woman was on it. And actually I wasn't even really going to watch, but I heard a segment on a newer podcast from Gimlet Media called The Nod. And they had like a little section on it. And I was like, oh, these are some really interesting insights. Like as somebody who likes pop culture and likes to critique culture, it might be interesting to engage. So I did it and I was actually maybe a little surprised by how much I like Rachel. I want to be her friend. I felt like Rachel was like framed as 
homegirl number one. She had common sense. She was super realistic and kind of down to earth. I didn't hear a lot of kind of fairy tale narrative about love coming from Rachel. I felt like it was like, I'm grown, I want to get married, and I'm going to try to do it on this show. I think obviously at the tail end of this, I feel a little bit different, but we'll get to that at a, mm-hmm. at a later time in the conversation. But yeah, so, I definitely feel like Rachel, her her weave was always impeccable. Her <laughs> leave out was never, it was like no strand left behind. She was so we brave to have eight. leave out on national television for this amount of time. I would have gotten box braids, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. There's an important conversation that to have here because it is really clear that Rachel is a black woman who hangs out with other black women. She's a Delta. Yes. And when I say that it's clear from looking at her hair that Rachel is a black woman who hangs out with black women. Okay. Sometimes black women who do not closely associate themselves with other black women, they do things with their, (laughs) okay. I'm just saying with their weave. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. The leave out can be a struggle. But the the thing that I will say about Rachel is that, um, and we actually did a roundtable on The Bachelorette on our show because I was like, listen, we need to talk about this. Um, we had Eric Deggan's media critic on, and he, he called Rachel the Obama of reality television mm-hmm. and that, you know, she had to be sort of this perfect, like she is from Dallas. She's a lawyer. She's been to college. She's educated. She's pretty. She had to check off all these boxes mm-hmm. in order to get to this spot. Mm-hmm. Like it was not, she had to be above and beyond because most of the contestants on the show are not real people. Like people will say, I'm a brunch enthusiast and that will be their job. She's an <laughs> actual attorney. Yeah, no, this is this is what is so interesting to me about Rachel and even how she would end up on a show like this, because I think the Obama of reality TV makes so much sense to me. I also read that Rachel is the oldest Bachelorette contestant ever. She's 31. Mm. Scandal. You're single at 31 years old. Um, But she's also her father is a federal judge. We went to her beautiful, huge Dallas home. Her parents are still married. Like, this is an exceptional negress. Mm -hmm. Rachel is perfect. Well, she was perfect to me until the finale, but we'll get there. All right. (sighs) I feel like Rachel is the grown-up Ashley Banks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She fits right in line with Olivia Pope with all of those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I think you actually really... I tapped into something that I was feeling. I love Rachel. I want to be her friend, but there's like a little air of kind of like that upper middle class spoiledness that I Mm -hmm. sensed when she went back home and especially in the finale, but we'll come back to there. So let's get to the guys. I was surprised by how many men there were. There's a lot of (laughs) men this season. And I actually heard that there were more men than normal. there were more. There was like 30 something. So let's talk about the quality of man on this show. How do we feel? I have mixed feelings. Okay. I feel like they're all really attractive. Most of them are super attractive. Um, Like if you look at Anthony, if you look at Will, if you look at Alex, the Russian guy who is like twerking on the set of Ellen, they are all super attractive. Mm-hmm. Um. And as far as the quality goes, it was 
interesting. I don't know if, if I was at happy hour with these men and we're having conversations with them, I don't know how I would feel about them, but I also think we didn't get a sense of really, truly who they are Mm -hmm. through the show because of editing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have your tickle monsters and your wabooms mm-hmm. and things like that. And your Brian's. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, sorry. Ugh, Brian, who is the worst? Too soon in the conversation to talk about Brian, okay? Okay. <laughs> this is, okay, not yet, not yet. Okay. <laughs> but I think overall the quality was good. I don't know. I don't know if it's with editing and I don't know. I think I just wanted to see my own dating life reflected back at me so much and didn't necessarily get that, which would have been her interacting with the black men more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall it was good quality as far as attractiveness goes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the refreshing things about seeing Eric when they did the before the rose and he came out and they shared mm-hmm. that dance. And I hate that they recreated it so many times. <laughs> show as like this kind of let's always make the black people jig together but that first time that they did it that was such an authentic experience experience that kind of impromptu moment where like all you had to do was catch the beat and like they both caught on and knew exactly what to do I was like yes like this is gonna be lit I cannot wait like this is great and the rest Mm -hmm. of the season just was not like that and I think that it was so clear that they were trying to separate Rachel from this difficult conversation about racism and instead put that onto the men themselves. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that that was a really interesting thing because I feel like on the one hand, they wanted the the men, the contestants to absorb all of the kind of acting out of these different issues surrounding race since this was like such a racially charged season because it was the first Black Bachelorette. But I think on the other side of that, they also still wanted them to be like very manly and like minimal in terms of their emotions. So like we couldn't actually scratch the surface of that. And then also just like ABC and, and the producers of the bachelor kind of copping out so that like, you know, the words racist were never said until Mm -hmm. like afterwards, you know, no one actually Mm -hmm. went to Rachel and said, Hey, do you know that there's a guy who's racist in the house? Like the conversations about Lee were all about like whether or not she could trust him and whether or not he was honest and whether or not he was just stirring up drama in the house, but no one thought to say, Hey, you know, it's, it's, those are conversations that black people have like, girl, let me Mm -hmm. tell you what X, Y, and Z said about Kenny. He called aggressive and Mm -hmm. you know what that means and we give a side eye and we have a conversation (laughs) about it and i don't that that and took that as far with the men i don't know man i'm gonna sort up right now because like i spent most of my time with rachel which i had intended on like growing a relationship and like trying to like (laughs) assuade her that i'm not some aggressive dangerous human which is absurd I'm big on body language, man, and I'm big on like reading people. And her body language was very much like in Lee's corner, and it messed me up. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I just legitimately felt like nothing I said made a dent in how she felt about me because of what this little son of a bitch said. Lee's a liar, a fabricator. He's an alternative facts piece of garbage. And I wonder how much of that came down to editing, because it's very hard for me to believe that with all of the one-on-one time she had, which each of those bachelors, especially, I mean, each of the suitors, especially the black ones, that none of them said, you know, 
there's something really messed up going on in the house. There's this going on because I just think as a normal person who interacts with other black people on a day-to-day basis, if they face something like that, you know, you bring it up, you say, Oh, so-and-so at work said this, or, Oh, when I got in the elevator, this girl grabbed her purse. Like I was going to take it. girl. Don't nobody want your purse. Like those are conversations that are had. And I feel like they were edited out. I, I actually got the chance to, um, talk to Eric for, through my job and mm-hmm. we did like a quick interview and one thing we discussed because I was like why didn't you guys have like a stroll off our step competition for her heart if she's a delta I mean that's something I would want to see on tv and he said you know that was something that was brought up like his little sister is an aka and she's a delta and when the families met like they did that teasing thing that they do when they meet each other but that was something that did that made it on the cutting room floor it was something that you know they didn't right. put in there and I just wonder how many you know the white people don't know. They're like, like I'm sure the the producers uh, are like, what are these colored people? Yeah. And I think that would have really humanized her more. I mean, I think they were going to humanize her, but it wasn't towards us. They didn't care what black women thought of her. They wanted white women to like her. Yeah, exactly. That and that was the problem. Yeah, They wanted to create a bachelorette, a diverse bachelorette that white people would approve of and I mean and and generally in like a lot of television these days like diversity is all about what producers think that white people will like Mm -hmm. that that is just like so disheartening especially on a show that's supposed to be rooted in like so much reality okay we will come back to the race conversation but I think that there are a lot of reasons why this the race thing played out the way that it did. I did want to say about the men on the show, though, that I watch a lot of reality TV. Somehow I've stayed away from The Bachelor because it just, it does seem, the this franchise and The Bachelor seem just really mm-hmm. for white people. Um, and I think Mona Scott Young invented reality TV. I think she, she perfected it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but this is, to me, was the most attractive cast I've ever seen on TV. Every single man was just tall and like physically just like amazing. It was amazing to me that how do you find 30 men who are all cute like that? I was very impressed. They all looked like they had good credit. Like I look at Will and he looks like, you know, he has a very good credit score. Yeah. And Anthony is like a Fulbright scholar. These are people who are actually doing things. But I did want to, since we did talk about Lee's racism, how are we just finding out that Lee is racist and sexist? Who does the background check? Because Lee, I understand where you're coming from, but I feel like you haven't acknowledged exactly what you're we're trying to forgive you for. I think you're just saying I've been a bad person, but you're not acknowledging the kind of invisible racism in your mind. You may not be doing it intentionally, but I think you are is still motivating your actions. The racism that is ingrained in your behavior to the point of invisibility is still pushing you to behave in a certain way towards Kenny, towards Eric, towards me in a way that you don't even recognize. So where are you now? Are you acknowledging that even if you didn't intend it, are your th- actions motivated by racist thoughts that are implicitly embedded in your mentality? Well, that was an interesting thing that was brought up because before the show even aired, there were reports that, because basically people had kind of done some digging into his Twitter and found all of his derogatory tweets about the KKK and Mm -hmm. Um, women and their place in the world. And people had 
seen these things and it was just so clearly set up for drama on the show that that was never wow. discussed prior to um all, all of that I think really and I'm not sure if this is how all of the seasons are where there are clearly people who are planted to kind of drum up a certain kind of of drama but it was very clear that he was planted on the show yeah, I sh- character. Oh. I struggle to believe that they didn't find that or and even with talking with him that they didn't find that. And the fact that he stayed around so long when we never saw them interact, he never kissed her, like with the other men that she kept around, you could kind of see, okay, she's actually interacted with them except Matt and Adam, which that was confusing. But I mm-hmm. really it sounded like the producers even made her keep him on. Um, I mean, when she got rid of Diggy to keep him around, it just didn't make any sense. I was like, this has to be a plant. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, both of them can go. Like, Diggy was, <laughs> was, <laughs> was very attractive to me. But this is another thing that, like, is never talked about in the Bachelorette universe. What are you doing with your life? Right? Like, like Rachel is a, mm-hmm. a prosecuting attorney. Diggy is a what now? Like, he, I don't know. He, he has cool glasses. Diggy, I don't Diggy, know what first of all, him. I will not have Diggy slander because I am from Chicago and Diggy is from Chicago. <laughs> I believe that Diggy actually works in advertising. Okay. Which is actually a really big industry in Chicago. But I will say Diggy's glasses looked fake to me throughout the entire season. <laughs> so I always felt like he was a character because I'm like, those your real glasses yeah see he, he i was exceptionally attractive yeah. during his little like first video he had all these pairs of shoes my mom was like if he has all those shoes he's probably not paying his bills you don't josiah was her pick she's like josiah is the one he seems like a good sturdy man who can like get things done i was like she's probably right <laughs> i i thought that they were giving josiah the the favorable edit that he was going to be around for a long time like, I thought, oh, they're lawyers. They're going to hit it off. Yeah, I think person, he should have been around for longer. I think Josiah should have been around for longer, too. And I think the person we can really have the what are you doing with your life conversation with, especially in respect to Rachel, is actually Eric, who made it very far. Eric is a personal trainer. First of all, first of all, personal trainers are notorious hoes. Okay, am I allowed to say hoes on the podcast? Yes, you can say hoes. That was also, that didn't seem like an equally yoked partnership to me either. And I, I didn't peg Rachel as the type of woman who would marry someone who was just a personal trainer. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to Eric and why he felt to me like a plant in the top three, I did want to talk about one moment that really stood out for me in the first half of this series was when Rachel was on her one-on-one with Will. Tell me what type of girl you like. Like, what do you look for in a relationship? Um, like, what are you attracted to? Um, you know, honestly, I've typically, you know, dated white girls. Typically? Most, most or only? Life. No, not only. Okay. Just mostly. You know, I, I grew up in a predominantly white you know, neighborhood area. And so that's what was available to me in college, kind of the same thing. So mm-hmm. that's that was, you know, the pool that I was kind of working with. I mean, I grew up the same way. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that I dated predominantly non-black people yeah. you know like i actually have predominantly dated black people yeah yeah i mean clearly i'm open to everyone at this point but <laughs> and i always have been but you know me being 
like I grew, like I told you, I pretty much grew up the same way you did. And I don't know. I didn't have that. I, yeah. I mean, no. Very, very similar, you know, upbringings, but very, very, different very different paths. <laughs> very different reactions to it. That was one of the few times when race was explicitly discussed, but it wasn't, it didn't quite go there, but it, I could feel it. Like I felt really connected to Rachel <laughs> in that moment. I know what you want to say, but white people are watching. But yes. As a as a person who grew up in a predominantly white area, um, and has primarily dated black men, but also knows quite a mm-hmm. few black men who grew up in the same area and who primarily do not date black women. Um, that was I really wish they would have delved into that because that's a conversation that I have with a lot of my friends about sort of interracial dating and the politics of it and how um, just how there's a hierarchy when it comes to desirability and typically black women are on the bottom of that. And so when you encounter a man who has primarily dated white women, there is something in the back of your head. And maybe, you know, that society is a red flag. Yeah. It's like, and there's also this thing is like, well, are you attracted to me? What are you doing? What is this? What's going Mm -hmm. on? What are the reasons? Like, are you using women as a status symbol? There's also, and I've had this happen too, where you meet men who who primarily date white women, but then want to date you because they think you're a quote unquote safe black woman. It's like, oh, you speak a certain way and read certain books and interact in certain circles. And it's like, no, still very black. You still very black. And, you know, Rachel at the same time, is dating all of these white guys and these non black men. And you don't feel as much of a way about it because of the way black, because of the way black women are treated as desirable objects in society, because it isn't that often. Um, I wish there would have been more non black men of color, not to say less black guys, but maybe less white guys and having more just men of color. I think that would have been interesting. Yeah, like an Asian man in the mix. But I actually have a controversial opinion about that scene where Will tells Rachel that he primarily dates white women. And she responds with, well, we grew up the same way and I primarily dated black men. I kind of think that Rachel was flexing a little bit because my sentiment, this might be jumping ahead in the agenda, but... My sentiment towards the end of the season is that Rachel Loki knew from jump that when it came to settling down, that she wanted to settle down with someone white or or um, white adjacent. I should say. Oh, interesting. I mean, I definitely think that you know. Obviously, I think that Rachel has probably had some black boyfriends, has probably slept with some men who were black for sure. But I think that she did a KD. I mean, yeah, and I think, (laughs) I mean, I can really, honestly, this is, I don't have any, I don't have any solid basis for this. I don't have any evidence of this. This is like just purely kind of um, assumption. And I, and I felt this way kind of leading up to like when we got down to the final four, but I was like, I think Rachel is one of those black women who had, who is so over black men that she's like, you know what, actually, I'm pretty sure that I'm only going to be able to get the stability that I need from a man who is not black. She also mm-hmm. has my, 
you know, and also like coming from a family where so many people are married interracially, I think that I can really imagine like Rachel being that person who was like really politicizing college. She was a Delta. She was all about the movement and having a strong black brother. And then she realized that niggas ain't shit and was like, oh, you know what? You know what? Like, I'm, I'm going to do something else. Um, and and not to and if that is true again, this is like completely baseless. And not to judge her if that is the case. I mean, sis, I you know, hey, sometimes we all feel that way. But um, I just think that I just I'm I I just feel like she had that intention to kind of settle down with someone who who was white or white adjacent, or at least not black. I, I should say that. And and I also wonder, like with her, and in general, does it get to a point where? class status can kind of start to trump race when it, we come to our dating choices. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're jumping ahead. We got to move on. Okay. Because yes, I want to come back to this. Woo. Yeah. All right. So, um, so I was really struck in watching this show. Um, I knew it was going to be white, but there's like a certain kind of whiteness that this show embodies. And it is a really make America great again. (laughs) Does that make sense? Okay. Because the universe of the bachelorette uh, exists in this kind of, it's a fairy tale for adults, right? So Mm -hmm. it exists in this kind of like 1950s values kind of thing, except for like, when you get to the end where you know the fantasy sweet part where you know that they're going to fornicate, <laughs> but it's really like old school, like traditional, like let's do things the right way kind of universe that like makes me kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and it also makes the show boring to me. Well, I, I see that. And it is very much like this. Retor- it's very heteronormative. It's very like, like you have not seen like a bi bachelorette where there are men and women. You haven't seen a gay bachelor. Like you haven't seen a lot of people of color, but I think part of it. And I think what the appeal is for so many people is that dating it right now is actual hot garbage. Like it is mm-hmm. terrible and awful. And I'm sure it's always been terrible and awful, but it feels especially awful and when you go to the show, you know what you're going to get. You know, men do this. Women do this. At the end, you propose. This is a ring. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. I think that's why it appeals to so many people because it's something that you know, okay, this is how this is done. You get to see – also getting to see men, like, vie for the attention of a woman was very mm-hmm. interesting. Like, sometimes it's hard to get a text back, but here these men are wrestling for the attention of this girl. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what – appeals to a lot of people these and it's very quote-unquote traditional which is something that I struggle with um but I don't know I think that's why people like it so much because it is so make dating great again I I think that that was the moment too when I was like damn I shouldn't have done this in terms of tuning in to the show because I think that was the moment where I realized that they were actually just plugging black people into the exact same narrative that had existed on the bachelor and bachelor beforehand and that narrative of true love this is actually something that I've written about before but the narrative of true love that is encouraged on the bachelorette has been reserved for white people traditionally that's just Mm -hmm. not the way black love looks and I think that 
that was like the moment where I was like, oh gosh, this is actually going to be terrible. And now I'm already invested. Like this, now I have totally. to see it through. Yeah. There is no room for deviation from that really narrow narrative in the structure of the show. And Rachel, as we saw as the show progressed, was really very quite committed to that narrative, right? <laughs> and, and was like, no, I'm here. This is what we're going to do. I'm sticking to it. And that was very frustrating for me. But I wonder how much of that was, she's like, I'm the first Black Bachelor. I'm not walking away without a ring. I won't be the only one, you know? Right. Yeah, no, no. I actually, I actually under, it was maddening for me when it's like, don't give up on your soulmate. But at the same time, I completely understand for this woman who was the first black woman, the oldest bachelorette. She has a real life there. And even outside of this um, very constrained bachelorette universe this is a woman who adheres is the epitome of respectability Mm -hmm. i understand why she would say i didn't come here for a boyfriend i i get it but also it's just like oh like let's break away from this and also just for the record yes you did come here for a boyfriend you just want a boyfriend that you can call a fiance because rachel's entire philosophy on engagement goes against this idea that she want that she's so ready to settle down and start a family. Like her def. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That, which was what was so frustrating about what happened with Peter, because essentially what she said was like, oh, engagement just means that like, we're still getting to know each other and having fun. And I'm like, sis, that's dating. That's, that's having a boyfriend, <laughs> you know, like excuse the hell out of Peter for just wanting to be like, yeah, when I propose it's because I, I'm sure I want to marry you. <laughs> yes yes oh and i was gonna say about the um the 1950s-ness of the bachelorette it also really made me uncomfortable w- with dean the dean situation mm. when basically dean was like um my family is incredibly dysfunctional he was basically like did everything except say please don't make me go home please do not force me back into this situation that has been toxic in my life it stinks that like the other five guys in the house are the the way that they think about a hometown where it's like they're excited for you to meet their family and they're so like adamant about their family's approval of you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. My family is not going to be the family that you want to see. Okay. When my mother passed away, <laughs> like the first 15 years of my life, like my father was the person that was like, hey, let's go dirt biking. Hey, let's go snowboarding. And he was never the person like, hey, let me drive you to school. Hey, let me take you to lunch. Like he was never that guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, the second my mother passed away, who was that person, he wasn't able to flip the switch and become that person that I needed him to be. In adhering to this idea of home is where the heart is. You can't really get to know somebody unless you take them home. Enforcing that narrative, you like push Dean back into this trauma. And I was just like, uh, this this is not right. There's some ethical, I feel like, boundary that's breached in that part. Yeah, and And I feel just like it was easier to do that than to just figure out a way to talk about the fact that some people don't have family. Right. Some people have alternative versions of what family might look like. Some people, you know, some people don't have parents to take you to or or in the case of Dean, some people it, it might be very painful or it may be even violent 
for them to go home to their families and they stay away for a very specific reason. Mm -hmm. And I really hate that they didn't foster that conversation that, you know, he could have been like, here are my brothers and sisters, here are my friends, but also kind of having the conversation that when you get older and you get married or partner or do whatever you want to do, that's your opportunity to make the family you want. And the family that you come from doesn't have to necessarily factor into the family that you are building that you want. Like you get to make the family that you want. If you want to be in a close family, you can be, if you want to have some more distance, you can be, you have the tools and the power to create the family structure that you want. And it was really, I felt really bad for Dean. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of another thing. I'm like, is there any sort of counseling offered on the show? Like does the final four or final three, do they do marriage counseling at all with Rachel? Do they have psycholo- yeah, psychologists right. on staff? <clears throat> like, what is people normally people don't need that? What are you talking yeah. about? Normal people need counseling. What? But no, I also just going back to that family thing too. The first, the biggest frustration for me was that the Bachelorette thought that they were going to solve the issue of diversity and just representation alone. So in missing out on these different ways, on these conversations about the different ways to to frame family and about creating the family that you want, Black people have always been at the forefront of that mm-hmm. because we have always created healthy, loving, non-traditional families, right? And the, those were opportunities via Eric's family. I mean, when Eric did his hometown, I was like, Eric ain't talked to his daddy in a good two or three years. This conversation <laughs> right now is so forced. Like, there's a reason why Eric's aunt is the one who was the star of the moment. I felt like Eric's relationships with his parent, his parents was like way more strained than they than they played out to be. But mm-hmm. but more importantly, that Eric was raised by like a village of extended family who like mm-hmm. brought him up to be the person that he was. And instead of like taking advantage of the opportunity to like present this real diversity in this real difference, it was like, no, let's just see how we can plug these people of color into this stale ass narrative that we know is yeah. like powerful to white America. Yeah. And I think like, socioeconomic status plays such a role in that yes. too. Like it's this aspirational, like, you like if you look into how the series is shot oftentimes those are not the houses of people of the actual people they'll go to like a family member's nice house or they'll or the production company will rent out a home from them because they want to have this facade of like these people come from nice homes like you don't see anyone in a regular like two or three bedroom ranch level house where everyone has dinner in the living room around the TV, even though that's what's real. It's it's all of it is aspirational. It's right. this is what men should do. This is what women should do. This is how much money you should make. This is what it should look like. Right. So we didn't have any conversations really until what was Eric's aunt? Eric's aunt. What was her name? Like, did it start with Berna. the Verna. I was going to say it started with the V. We didn't have any conversations really about race and what it meant to Rachel until Aunt Verna was like, let's talk about the R word. And even then, it wasn't really anything. Here's a question. For you. Come on. Okay. <laughs> let's bring up the R A C E word, race. Okay. So I'm just like, <laughs> oh, they're like, first black bachelorette. Yes. So how are you dealing with that? And were you like prepared for that? No. <laughs> How does one prepare, right? I, um... It's a lot of pressure because you're being judged by two different groups. Yeah. Yeah, who's she going to choose? Yeah, I'm yeah. getting judged by 
black people mm -hmm. and I'm getting judged by everybody else. Yeah. I don't think people realize that, you know, like you're like having to worry about what an entire group of people think um, about your choices. Eric and I talked about like, we both struggle being selfish, mm -hmm. but in this position, yeah. I have to if I want to get what I really want. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any conversations about class. We didn't have really conversations about what it means for to have a, a family that looks differently. And because we didn't have that, it made Rachel look kind of crazy to me. And it's like, I know yeah. that the producers of the show are guiding you to towards certain things. But the fact that she was almost unwilling to engage meaningfully with those things made me feel like, okay, girl, I like you. I feel like I connect to you, but are we living in the same world? And I think part of that is, again, the fact that they wanted her to appeal to white America and not black America. Because yeah. honestly, in some points, she really did come looking crazy. The fact when, like, it was the whole Lee thing and she's like, I don't know who to believe. It's like, girl, you know good yeah. and well who to believe. Like but you, also, you don't know who to believe because you don't know what's going on. Remember that really awkward moment where she kind of broke down into tears and was like, "People are going to be judging me based on whatever decision I make." Oh yeah, I'm going to get emotional. The pressures that I feel about being a black woman and what that is and how I, I don't want to talk about it. I get pressured from so many different ways being in this position. And I don't, I did not want to get into all of this tonight. And I, I already know what people are going to say about me and judge me for the decisions that I'm making. I'm going to be the one who has to deal with that and nobody else. And that's a lot. And it was as if she was talking about the racial tension that was happening in the house, but they hadn't edited the show to show us where anyone had actually told Rachel about the racial tension in the house. So it's like, sis, like you're, how, how would you even know? And like, what, what, dis, why don't you just come out and say like what the decision is that you're struggling with if, if that's really how you feel? Mm -hmm. I I just thought that that was so interesting yeah. that and, was this intentional, like running away from that issue until afterwards, until it came to like her Twitter, until it came to her on that on the after show where she actually confronted Lee. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is me reading into it too much. But the way I saw those tears is that she was kind of less concerned with the way white America would judge her because she was playing to white America. She knew her role. And like any person who is savvy enough to code switch and any person who can make it to where she has in her career, any person who has gone to a PWI of any kind, anyone who has like ever worked somewhere where they are not in the majority knows how to do that. I think her concern about being judged comes from other black people because she may just know how crazy and clueless she looks. Yeah. Um, like that's a good point. Like acting the way she is when we live in a world where there are like Freddie Gray situations happening. Right. And she's like, I don't know who to believe. And you know who to believe. Like, I think she was concerned about looking crazy to other black people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the final four. Cause honestly, that's when I really was like, Oh, okay. This is getting good. When it got down to Dean, Eric, Peter and Brian. And I was just like, I was, from the time that she, that rose ceremony, when it got down to those four, I was like, oh, it's Peter. It's definitely Peter. Like, who else, who else going to be? Like, it's Peter. <sighs> Peter's so fine. I'm mad for her. Does Rachel really get to pick 
who gets to move on. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this show. John Quillen, maybe. Does she really? Is it her decision? So what I'm told is that, well, what I've heard is that the final four is, it's people like she meets at the mixer and she's like, okay, I really want to get to know these specific people. So like put me in positions to talk to them. Um, And then throughout that, she will still talk to other people, but production does manipulate quite a bit. I mean, I think that's the only reason we got as much Waboom as we did and as much Lee as we did. Um, but I think with the final people, it's people you're actually attracted to. Uh huh. Okay. So if I can but, keep it a hundred, I think that, so if you all will remember, she gave Brian the first rose and they also shared a very hot and heavy kiss almost immediately. I think that Rachel has had eyes on Brian literally since day one. Mm -hmm. I think that they have probably spent the most time together, although we didn't see a lot of it on camera. Mm -hmm. I think that they probably spent the most time together. And I think that like her and Brian were probably dating very, very soon after after they met and that it was always going to be him. But she said she didn't like him when they first met. Because he was like they, coming on so strong. But when they she had her tongue down that man's throat when they first met. I think she she likes aggressiveness. Like yeah. as much as she plays into the respectability politics, she seems like and this is not a bad thing because when we say this, especially about women, people interpret it as bad. But you can tell she's a very sexual person. Like, very. That was one of the reasons she cut Will because they were on the date and he was just standing there looking silly. And then she was like, are you attracted to me? Who do you like? And he's like, white girls. And it's like, well, that's the problem. Right. Um, exactly. And you so, can tell after her and Brian's um, fantasy suite, I was like, wow, he fucked her all night and again this morning. <laughs> like, you can her hair was kind of tussled a little bit. I yep. was like, yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were in bed. Like, I watched with a bunch of friends. And so when Eric and Rachel left the fantasy suite, we saw them holding coffee. And they're like, ooh, they nasty. Oh, my gosh. And then Peter, she and Pete were making bacon and eggs. And they're like, ooh, they real nasty. But she and Brian were literally still in the bed. Yeah. Like. And she girl. was in a robe. Like, with. <laughs> with very little on underneath it like mm-hmm. i think the production crew had to knock on the door like excuse me we need to start filming mm-hmm. well i'll get presentable please mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so in the final four i felt bad for dean because it was really apparent that he was not going to be chosen but he still like put all his family business on, on mm-hmm. television for the world to see like, went through that trauma and it was really clear that he had no choice. And when she said, I'm falling in love with you too, I was like, no, you're not. Why even say that? Why say that? Why do this to this? You know, he's like 25 or something, maybe 26 now. I I um make it a point not to feel empathy for men, but I actually st- started to feel <laughs> bad for the men. Yeah, I felt really, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead. Yeah, we can skip ahead. Too far. But I felt bad for Peter. Um, well, first of all, I knew there wasn't a majority. If someone ever told me to go have a mediocre life, I would legitimately like shave my head and bury myself underground. Like that line was amazing. I feel like you don't know what you want to do. I don't. I want somebody who knows what they want to do. Great. Then go find someone to have a mediocre life with. 
Why does that mean I have to have because a Because I will give you an amazing life and an amazing relationship. But you don't know what you want to do, Peter. You don't even know tomorrow. if you want it with me. I don't know what I want to do tomorrow. Okay, we have to talk about this scene, right? So it's like, okay, Dean is gone because, <laughs> duh, he's young and has all this stuff. He's not ready. So, okay, first of all, the last two episodes were, I think, cut really strangely. So I'm trying to make sure that I get the timeline right. But this was still when they were, there were still three people or this was... After. Dean went home first. Dean was in the final four. Uh, Dean went home first after hometowns. And then uh, it was between Eric, Peter, and Brian. And then Eric oh. was sent home during the rose ceremony. Yeah. And then after that, it was between Brian and Peter. And that's Peter told her to go have a mediocre life, which I feel like what he was doing was trying to figure out a nice way to call Rachel basic, because I think <laughs> it's like you care more about this engagement ring than you do about me. and You're low key being basic right now. So I think he was like, if you just want the ring, sis, go ahead for it. Like. And, and do that mediocre shit and he apologized for it but i don't know i, I don't think them. he should I was have like, either you should, i was like don't apologize exactly no because that whole scene was so emotional i mean i was i feel like i was halfway in halfway out coming into the finale like oh this dumb shit that i but i have to watch the finale because i've already dedicated so much of my life to it but That scene in the fantasy suite or whatever, where they have come to this impasse on what they want, it was really emotional. I was really invested in Peter and Rachel at that point. And you could just feel feel the the genuine emotion, feel that tension. Because I feel like if you date men or partner men, if you're a heterosexual woman, like you've been in a situation where it's like, uh, we're at an impasse. It was so, it was real. It was. And I, I could, I understood why she was upset because if someone tells you that you're going to of course be upset. I think that she surprisingly kind of, at least in the, after the final rose and when she was sitting down with Peter, she seemed like upset and still hurt like when she was like this isn't for you i took that as her trying to sabotage his chances at being the next bachelor because everyone thought he was going to be the next bachelor and when she's like this just isn't for you like it's her kind of digging in and saying in front of america like look he can't find love in this process it's not for him i just don't think like this this world this process this journey this this show like i just don't think like it's for you Like, you need more time. You need to, like, see things through. You know what? Okay, so like I said, Rachel was my homegirl all through the 20 hours that I dedicated to watching this show. But (laughs) when it got to the finale, I was just like, oh, I can't. I can't rock with you right now. You're acting a little, you're been a little bratty, like, acting a little crazy to Peter, who was really genuine. You know, I don't think Peter is a good enough actor to have been, you know, crying and like ripping off his clothes and stuff in the suite after that breakup. It seems like that part was really real. And if somebody is being vulnerable in that way and, you know, demonstrating these like feelings in this really tough situation, I do think that you have a responsibility to not be a shitty person to them. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just all... It was all so much like I really thought that because it didn't seem like a distinct breakup to me. Mm -hmm. So I was very surprised when they were like, and he's gone. It's like, I thought they just got in a fight and tomorrow she'll make her decision again. 
Um, and I thought when initially I thought when he came out, he was going to be like, don't do this. Marry me. But um, <laughs> that's what I thought as well. That was not the case. I think Peter was just really. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know what? Some I've heard other people say that despite the fact that those interactions felt really real, they felt really rooted in like what would actually happen in the real world. Maybe Peter just wasn't that into her. I, Maybe. And I kind of agree with that. I kind of think that the show was, and first of all, let's just say that the moral of this, of this story, I think, especially for me and Kimberly, who have watched this for the first time, is that the show is fake in terms of it's edited in very specific ways to create certain narratives about certain characters, even if that's not reflective of the actual relationships that are or are not being built in the house. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is something to be said because I Vanity Fair actually wrote a really good article where they talked about actually Brian won because he knew how to play the game. And they brought up, remember when Peter, like in his freestyle, said that Rachel was from the hood, even mm, though... yes. But but weirdly enough, like you go to meet Peter's friends, all of his friends are black. He seems he's he's suddenly giving off these vibes like he's the black guy who hangs with mostly white people with mostly black people. And it's very it's very interesting, like how that fluctuates. And those things don't didn't align to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I do think that like we all kind of fell for Peter because we, it was framed for us to do so. And I say that because literally since we've been on this, since we've been having this conversation, um, Peter just did an interview where he said that he's open to being the next bachelor and that he's okay with getting engaged after two months. If it's him picking the person and not, the uh, that is so, so now male and dumb. exactly. Oh, man. You know, so it's really, I, I think like that's ultimately the moral of the story. And I, and I think going back to that, um, I honestly do feel like Rachel knew that it was Brian from jump. And I think we saw that in her defensiveness with her family mm, over him point. when she was like arguing about why they were even asking him questions in the first, I was like, wow, she got it bad. Like they're not even allowed to ask him any questions. <laughs> like he's <laughs> the one, like. Oh, I was just going to make a point about Peter and about sort of his relationship with blackness. And he, you know, he brought out his black friends and as a person who I've dated outside my race before, never dated, um, a white guy before, but have you all, did you all see get out? Yeah. Okay. Three so, times. You know how he goes in that closet and finds all the pictures of all the previous black people his girlfriend dated, and it's alarming. There has to be, like, a fine line between that. Because when Peter said, oh, I've never dated a black girl before, that sort of made my antenna go up. It's like, well, then what are you here for? Why this time? But then you also don't want to date someone who, like, has made a habit out of it, and it seems like a weird fetish. Mm -hmm. Like, there has to be sort of a weird balance with that and again we're not going to see that on this abc program we're not going to see people talk about that mm-hmm. but um i don't know isn't peter from wisconsin right yes okay how do you have so many black friends in wisconsin like i am from a state that is very white there are black people here but like a white person and you and most of your friends are black in wisconsin i don't know it i, I have questions exactly 
Okay, so I feel like we haven't really talked about Eric, despite the fact that he was in the top three, because I, I, first of all, I feel like he was a plant, but I'm interested in your thoughts about Eric. So I really like Eric. Um, I think his breakup beard has been phenomenal. It's dark. It connects. It's not patchy. He's living his best life. Um, I really, I wanted to see their relationship more in depth. And maybe again, it's because I want to see my relationships reflected back on me. And this was just not the setting for that. Um, But I wish we would have seen, I don't know, more interactions from him. And I also thought his edit was weird. Um, So in the beginning, they tried to make him seem crazy uh, because, you know, he was yelling because Iggy wouldn't keep his name out of his mouth. And I understood where that anger came from, but like the edit just made him look crazy. And then he was really nice and so gracious on after the final rose. It was like, and I don't think they would make him the next bachelor. They're not going to have two black people back to back. And then there's the politics Mm of black men dating white women, which is a whole thing. But he was, I think he, it would not surprise me if he was trying to be the next bachelor, because as far as, after the final rose goes, he was acting much more like the next bachelor than Peter was. Yeah. Peter is boring. He doesn't have a great personality. No. And you know, maybe it will be Dean because Dean is also going to bachelor in paradise and is in some drama there, but he's also five years old. So I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, I found Eric very interesting and I really wish that their relationship was used to go more in depth uh, with black people and how black people date. Like I would have loved to hear them talk about, you know, (laughs) I mean, this wouldn't be the conversation, but like, what are their thoughts when they watch Insecure? Like, is she team Issa and he's team Lawrence? I would like, that's what I want to say. Right. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up, like how their relationship could have been used to talk about Blackness and Black love. Because I felt with Eric, so first of all, I feel like for this entire production, I feel like the producers read all of the kind of canonical texts from like the 90s about Blackness. So like, oh... Black men grow up once they meet a strong black woman that they love grows them up to be a man. Like I felt like that was clearly the narrative that they were playing up with him. But also, which was like, and on on one hand, it was dope because I felt like that was a specific. That was a situation that was specific to black men. I mean, especially coming on the heels of 444, that we kind of got this kind of parallel mm-hmm. narrative with Eric. That's like, it took the love of this woman to grow me up. And Jay-Z is like, I, it took the love of Beyonce to like get me to grow up, even though I'm almost 50. But I'm not going <laughs> to go into that. Um, and But I also think that even like the way they tried to frame Eric is crazy. That was a missed opportunity to talk about Blackness because I think that the ideals of like personal respect and boundaries and what that looks like are different across cultures. And like for Black people, it is mm-hmm. disrespectful for somebody to have your name in their mouth in a way that might not translate for white folks. Like, white folks mm-hmm. might not get, like, mm-hmm. kind of the cultural context of of why you, why you need to mind your own fucking business. I think that's why Iggy was so clueless. Iggy was like, yeah, I talked to, talked to Rachel about you. I don't understand what the big deal is. And to me, I kept thinking, like, wow, like, this is like a... This is like a black violation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this yeah. is a, a mm-hmm. black kind of cultural line step and 
the reason why that's not translating and the reason why Eric is just set out to look crazy is because they're not taking the time to dig into like what that means. I never thought about the whole Eric storyline with him never having been in love and never having brought a, a woman home to meet his family. I didn't think about it that way. But that also made me is what makes me feel like this is so this is so fake. This is fake. I mean, of course it's fake, but it's just like, I don't even believe in the Bachelorette universe that the first time that you fell in love is with this woman in eight weeks. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I can't even stretch my mind to even think that that's even possible. And also, if you come on the show with a catchphrase, I I have questions. Like, I'm skeptical. The Miracle Season thing was just like, okay, you're branding yourself. And I can't, yeah. I can't be here for that. But I feel like so many of them automatically go into branding. Like, I don't know if, because I feel like, and I think this is what ABC wanted, because now I feel like I'm in a little deep with this franchise. Yeah. Um, because I'm like looking at Rachel's Instagram and she has ads now. Like she did not do ads before, but she got Dunkin' Donuts ads and dog ads and stuff. And I think this is just, you know, it's like, it's the middle America equivalent of love and hip hop girls selling flat tummy tea. Yeah. Oh, and one thing we did not talk about with Erica and Rachel, I think this is a really good time to talk about the class stuff, right? Because Mm -hmm. Eric has, uh, he's a personal trainer. Okay. Whatever. He, he also said that he wants to be a life coach or I, I think I, at some point somebody said that he is an aspiring life coach. That's what the miracle season stuff is about. Um, we know that he comes from this home that doesn't look like you leave it to beaver and has a background mm-hmm. that is not comparable to the kind of background that Rachel has. I just cannot imagine Rachel Lindsay daughter of a federal judge, prosecuting attorney, saying that I'm going to make this man who has no discernible career my life partner. And I think that matters, particularly for Black women, the way that we engage partnership and marriage. I mean, I think you also have to look at it like if if you took them out of the bachelorette universe and just made a regular happy hour, like who among these people would she be talking to? Um, or like, who would you even come across in your day-to-day life? Who would she meet? Yeah. Because I mean, Mm -hmm. I think even living in DC and working and stuff, like I can't put my arms out and spin around without hitting a lawyer. So because of that, Mm -hmm. I've dated lawyers. It's just sort of how your circle is. And then, but then I also wonder if Mm -hmm. she would run into Brian because he's a chiropractor, you know? Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's a doctor, right? I personally think that Brian is moonlighting as a male escort to rich housewives in the Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Myself. That's how he paid for those cheeks. Exactly. All right. So Brian was the pick. That was who Rachel picked. First of all, I mean, it's really clear that I, I, I'm more open to Cecily's idea that Brian was the pick from day Mm -hmm. one. I also think that Rachel knew she wanted to go with the sure thing and Brian was the sure thing. She knew she was going to get the Neil, Neil Lane ring. So that's who she's going to ride off into the sunset with. And to be fair, a lot of 32 year old women make that decision every day. Like some, Mm -hmm. we can call it settling, but like 
those women would call it setting themselves up for the future that they want. And I, and to be honest, like as much as it upsets me as a viewer of this show, like I can't knock any woman who would just like make that decision for her own life. Like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I dated plenty of people who may or may not have proposed to me at some point in the future. But what I'm looking for now is somebody that's ready to make it happen now. And like, that's what I'm going for. Right. Yeah. Right. Show wise, it's really frustrating, but just life wise, it makes sense. It's pragmatism. Yeah. And then you wonder, I don't know, because they don't even talk about fertility on this show. Like, if you factor that in, like, she's 31. I'm sure these are things that also cross her mind. You see your friends start to get married and you get to a point where it's like, okay, what do I want? I need to, as much as The Bachelorette is supposed to be a fairy tale, maybe it got to the point where it's like, all right, want a fairy tale, but let's be real here. You have to look at, like, who you're partnering with, what you want. Like it's, it's sort of like what my mom says, because my parents have been married for over 30 years. And so we talk about relationships a lot. And it's this idea that like, at first you have all these things you want on a checklist. You want someone who's tall and who does this and who has this job and does that and that. But then you also get to a point where it's like, okay, who's going to be the best partner for me? Who's going to hold it down? Who is going to commit? And Brian was the one who was willing to commit. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like the future goes, I really, I don't see it lasting, but who am I? She chose Brian. I will hate him forever, but I understand the choice. Um, I am now as a first time as a new person to the bachelor bachelorette franchise, I'm now having to make decisions about if I'm going to watch paradise. Are you going to watch paradise, Cecily? No. Okay. Are you going to watch the bachelor or bachelorette again? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me backtrack on Paradise just for a second. <laughs> because there also have been some interesting racial dynamics to come out of this situation with Demario and Corinne and these sexual assault, oh, quote, yeah. quote unquote, sexual yeah. assault allegations, right? And, and what that did. And I am interested to see how that gets played up, but I'm not watching for any other reason than to just see how they kind of follow that through and to see... And to basically, because the vibe that I'm getting even from the promo for Bachelor in Paradise is that for all the progress that they think they've made for The Bachelorette, they set themselves back because they have Demario as a potential rapist. They have that girl Jasmine as like a a crazy black woman with an insatiable sexual appetite. That is so true. So Jasmine, she was on at the end of like, oh, but there are some people who find love. And now we're back to like blonde hair, blue eyed people falling in love and I'm like okay y'all like y'all did all of this work and like now we're back to square zero and Jasmine was on the same season as The Bachelor as Rachel and she wasn't getting enough one-on-one time with Nick and so she was like I feel like choking you and she tried to choke him and that's when he cut her so I think that was kind of overworked I think because I felt like she was suggesting that she was going to choke him in a sexual way and then they spun it as if she was saying, I'm so angry with you that I could choke you. But I think she was saying, like, I like you and I'm so frustrated and, like, I want to do it. Because she was, like, asking him, like, have you never been choked before? Like, maybe I could be the first one to do it. Like, do you like it like this or like that? I'm in- I don't know. I've never watched Paradise, but I'm, like, saw the previews. I'm intrigued. Dickie's also going to be on Paradise. And I just really think he's cute. So... 
I don't. Yeah, he's very attractive. So part of me may watch just to see him shirtless for a little bit, and then he may get cut or something, and I'll stop. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch clips. I definitely want to know about the drama, and that's the thing. This is how I get you. I'm like, am I yeah. like invested in this franchise now? If they ever make Dean the Bachelor, I'll I will watch, but they probably won't. I also wonder, like, well, first of all, a person like this wouldn't get cast, but if you got someone a black woman on the show who wasn't willing to play the game as much as Rachel, who wanted to have these conversations and do these things. Like if you got someone who is your average black feminist on Twitter on the show, what would it be like? I don't, that's not a, actually, I don't even think that's a possible, it's not, I mean, first of all, this show is for white people. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. It wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> My, my ideal bachelorette looks like Tiffany New York Pollard there. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Rachel owes New York so much. She owes her so much. Tiffany Pollard is an unsung he- heroine in the reality TV universe. We're going to wrap it up. I'm actually not sure if I regret it. Do you regret getting in- invested, Cecily? Yes. <laughs> and okay. Mainly because Rachel herself, I feel like, let me down. Yes. Yeah, I, I wanted more from yeah. her. Yeah, I would expect I wanted more from her, and like there were just so many opportunities to have so many different conversations, and oh, and and I'm not sure that that is her fault. I'm not sure if I can place all of that on her, and like how much of it should go to the producers and how they just were really invested in maintaining their status quo. But um, I felt like we were on, like we were headed in such a good direction, and then we were not, and I and that yeah. is. I just don't have any faith anymore that it will ever be anything other than what it was. And I feel like now I'm going to continue to mind my black ass business. Yeah. And I would love yeah. a black version of this show. Like we had a black version. I think we have that. <laughs> but not like New York. Like I want to see, I want to see like the class issues, but with black people. That's what I want to see. Oh, I want to see like, yeah. A bunch of upper middle class black people. I want to see, like, on The Black Bachelor, I want to see a girl who was not in Jack and Jill get in a fight with a girl who was in Jack and Jill. I want to see a stroll off yeah. between AKAs and Deltas. Yeah. Like, and I... You need to pitch that. And a white I skin, see, dark skin debate. I want that. I also would have wanted to see Rachel have a group of, like, black girlfriends. Because that was also funny, too. Like, you're a Delta and you've spent time with other black women. But then when we meet your friends, they're, like, white sorority girls. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I had Rachel had like black homegirls. I feel like they would have told her from jump, like, girl, you can't trust a nigga named Demario anyway. <laughs> like, that was my first. That was my, uh, okay, okay, but like, can his we... name is Demario. This is not going to go well. And I know yeah. we're wrapping it up, but Demario saying, oh, wow, who is this? Like, that oh, was every my... lying man I have ever lied to me. I was like, I already know what this is. Yeah. I already know. Send him home. <laughs> When Demario walked up and said, who is this? Oh, my God. That's when you know. After saying, oh, hey. Okay. Uh, well, <clears throat> my verdict was this was useless trash, but, like, not not even, <laughs> like, super entertaining useless trash. So, I won't be back. Thank you guys so much for talking it out with me. Thank you, Jonquilin. Thank you, Cecily. I so appreciate your time. I just want to talk about television with black girls. Like, literally. Yes, all the time. That's all all the time. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Black Media Minute. Thanks so much to today's guests, Cecily and Jonquilin. It was so real. We had so much fun. Check out all of our previous episodes at blackmediaminute.com. 
There you can sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Sometimes y'all want to ask me questions or send me show ideas. My email address is Kimberly at BlackMediaMinute.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. That's all I got. Thanks, guys.